0: and welcome to Books on the Go, a podcast where we talk about our book of the week. I'm Anna bailey Karras and I'm here with Annie Waters. Hello, Annie. Hello. And Otto. Hi, Otto. Hi, Otto. (laughs) We are literally on the go today because Annie's doing this as she walks around and tries to get darling Otto off to sleep. So we might speed through today's episode while the going's good. He's so well behaved. I haven't heard a squeak out of him yet. (laughs) You will. It's early days. It's early days and this week we thought we would do a Women in Translation special episode because August is Women in Translation month and in the past we have been really organised and done an advance. women in translation recommendations, so that we can all have our list ready to go on the 1st of August with all the books we're going to read by women in translation. It was started by Maytel Radzinski around uh, about 2015, I want to say, um, to highlight translated books by women because even, well, first of all, people uh, don't always think of or read enough translated literature, but also it's often books by men that are translated. There was a skewing uh, towards men and she wanted to highlight some of the fabulous women authors. We have been following along with this for the last few years. This year, Really, the wheels came off. We can't blame Annie because Annie's been very, very tied up. But I just didn't really get around to it. And because I'm reading my shelf, I have not got many or we will discover how many I have books by Women in Translation in my shelf. And I would like to say that's because if I ever get one, that's so good that I read it straight away. So it hasn't lingered on the TBR. But for whatever reason, it's been a slight failure for me. But Annie, I think, has got a few good recommendations. So we thought we would do, I think it's more like a Books in Translation wrap-up and recommendations. And just before we kick that off, we were looking over book news. And there is one study which I thought was very apt apropos with Annie's stage in life with Otto coming along, which was a study on reading to children and babies. And it was in the UK. This came out in in the last few days. And it found, among other things, most, I think 77% of parents wished that they had more time to read to their children or thought that they should spend more time than they did reading to their children. And a third of parents lacked confidence to read to their children. And that was because they thought they should do the funny voices and things like that. And they felt perhaps self-conscious. But Annie, what's your take on reading to babies?
1: Well, I thought an interesting statistic was that 36% of parents with children aged one and under felt that their child was too young to read to. So Otto is three months today. And I mean, obviously, I'm a little bit biased, owning Bookshop and being so invested in books as I am. But it's changed. I think having a baby has changed what I would recommend to parents, because I think at this age, it's more about you just kind of reading and enjoying with your baby. So the books we've been reading are for much older children, I would have thought he's very happy to just lie there and listen to one or two and um, it's more about rhythm and rhyme and kind of just sharing you know they're interested in listening to your voice and, and looking at your body language and your expressions and stuff so yeah I think and even I've heard if you don't want to read children's books you can just read whatever you're reading at the moment because you know they don't really understand the words they're not getting the content but it's more about the the shared experience of reading aloud. So, yeah, that's been really fun. We've had a great time. I've discovered a, f- a few new favourites. And
0: uh, and sometimes when they're a bit older, you get the repetition, so they have to be sure. favourites for, <laughs> yeah. you know, the parent as well. Yeah. Otherwise, there were some that I really... <laughs> really found tedious after the seventeen <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: But it is, it's true, isn't it? There are so many benefits to reading to little ones and they are not just about the story. It's also having your voice, having the routine, mm. the comfort, and they're learning language all the time. So the, totally. the neural pathways with regard to listening and learning language are very, very active in the first nine months, I think. So that- well, for
1: me, I think you know, you might struggle to find other structured play that is as easy as reading. You know, you've got a book there to kind of use as a prop and you've got the words on the page and you can kind of just read them along. And the baby is enjoying the pictures and listening to you and all of those things where I think if you have to feel a bit more spontaneous and feel like you're always on or always trying to entertain can be pretty tricky. So, yeah, I think a book is a great tool to reach for when you're feeling a bit like stuck for
0: ideas well and it does it does start to not perhaps at three months of age but it does start to develop the habit of reading so they start mm-hmm. to learn that you can reach for a book if you're bored or you want comfort or you want to get into a story and it's not always going to be a screen or a um, some other device mm-hmm. so it's we're all for it no surprises there but it, yeah, interesting to learn that some parents are still hesitant, isn't it, when mm. when their babies are very, very young. Um, now, let's get on to our women in translation. So, Annie, would you like to kick us off with your first recommendation?
1: Sure thing. So my first one is called Slime, A Natural History by Suzanne Wedlich. And it's translated by, I might be mispronouncing this name. It's a Turkish name, Aika Tokoglu. And it is a non-fiction Um, about slime in all of its wonderful guises. So she comes at it, she is a scientist herself and lives in Munich, so it's translated from the German, Um, and it kind of goes through slime in history and in culture and in biology especially and in nature. Um, and it is fascinating, all of the different um, purposes that slime has, um, the different ways that we've kind of mythologized slime in history, you know, kind of the primordial sludge that people before Darwin thought humans had evolved out of and people went actively searching on the bottom of the sea for proof of this primordial sludge that we thought existed Um, And yeah, all the functions it has in the body, is super useful, um, as well as in nature. So yeah, I found it a little bit icky. I think I I thought of it first when I thought of translated works, because I think the translator has done a really good job of capturing a really Germanic sense of um, imparting information. It's quite, (laughs) uh, the sentences are very to the point. There's no kind of. She's funny at points, but the humour is much more. Here's a here's a funny line, and now we're back to facts. Yes, you know they're not kind of (laughs) mixed together. Very matter of fact. Having spent some time in Germany and Austria um, and speaking with German speakers, that is one of the things that really endeared me to the book. Was the tone of the translation, which I think so well captures what it must have been like in the original German. Um, right. as well as the subject matter is right up my alley of you know just weird natural history kind of you um, do
0: like digital. a natural history
1: Absolutely. I know it's funny isn't it
0: because you were into the there was a mushroom book or there was another oh, one yeah, that it's you good life. yes that was
1: yeah yeah every one. I mean, six months or a year I read like yeah a really good natural history book
0: yeah good Well, that was called Slime. Well, now on to a book that has been on my TBR for a long time, and it's called Heaven by Miyako Kawakami, and it's translated by Sam Bett and David Boyd from the Japanese. Miyako Kawakami wrote Breasts and Eggs, which I think they also translated, and Uh, she famously interviewed Haruki Murakami for about four hours a few years ago. And I remember we talked about that. Was it Amanda that read Breasts and Eggs or did you read that as well?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I loved it.
0: You loved it. I think, I I think separately, maybe Amanda read it and she quite liked it as well from Hmm. memory, but you loved Breasts and Eggs. I didn't quite get on with it, but I loved the Uh author. I love Miyako Kawakami. So I had to buy Heaven and i still haven't read it it's quite short and it's about teenage girls uh no sorry a 14 year old boy who's bullied at school and then he befriends a girl called Kojima who has similar experiences of bullying and so they become friends they become closer than ever but what is the nature of a friendship when your shared bond is terror and i don't know where it goes from there i still haven't read this but it's apparently sharply observed Intimate, heartbreaking. Nisha Dolan has called it heartbreaking and compelling. Miyako Kawakami is a genius. It's on the Time 100 Must Read Books of 2021. New York Times Book Review has called it masterly, and the blurbs. I just had a look at the blurbs on the inside. They're really quite gushing. So in the New Yorker, there's a very long review, and it says the real magic of heaven. Shows us to think it shows us how to think about morality as an ongoing dramatic activity. And then Megan Nolan says reading heaven is a rare, unforgettable experience. It's a perfect novel. Financial Times says it's short but assured. By the end, the reader is so dizzily absorbed in its visceral details and philosophical complexity that when the twist comes, it hits you with a strange and unexpected force. So I don't know what to think about that. There's a lot of references to the emotional force. So it's Mm -hmm. sort of a book that you feel like you don't pick it up lightly. um, And yet it's not very long. So it it should be one that I can burn through. I should add for our listeners, some of you might remember I'm reading Middlemarch at the moment for the Adelaide Writers Week Book Club, and it's 880 pages. I'm actually really into it. I'm right in, I'm all in for middle March. But even after what feels like a couple of weeks, it probably is a couple of weeks, I'm only up to, I might've hit 500 pages, but even still, I've got another 400 pages to go. So it's, I'm only halfway through middle March. So it's really consuming the reading time. And otherwise I would have uh, picked up Heaven this week and tried to read it. But I don't know if you've read Heaven yet, Annie, because I know you liked Miyako Kawakami. Oh, yeah,
1: I have, her, I have that on my shelf as well. So if you do get to it, let me know and I'll see if I can squeeze it in and we can we talk really about it. We really should have
0: read it this month, shouldn't we? But anyway, we will do it because every month should be all about women trying. in translation.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: <laughs> What's your next pick?
1: Well, mine's also Japanese. It's called What um, What You Are Looking For Is In The Library by Michiko Ayoama and translated by Alison Watts. Um, and it's a Japanese bestseller. It's just come out in English, in Australia at least, um, and it's just gorgeous. It's set in a um, community library in Tokyo, a small kind of prefecture of Tokyo, and five people come to the library through various methods. One of them's attending a computing course in the community hub next door. One of them is without a work and kind of ends up in the library because his mum sends him on a, a job. And they all talk to the librarian who sits at the back. She's this enormous woman. They all comment on her size. And she seems kind of otherworldly, like some kind of a troll or a demon or something that sits at the back, but a friendly, a friendly creature. And she says, What are you looking for to each of them? And they're all kind of at this juncture in their lives where they need something or they're stuck. And so they they, they say, well, I'm here on, for books about Go or I'm here for books about Excel or whatever. But she sees through them and kind of prints them out a list of books that include what they're after. But then the last one is just totally out of the blue, like a, a book of poetry or a children's book, something that was not at all what they're asking for. And then she also gives them, she digs in this drawer. She's furiously felting away with needle felting needles (laughs) do you know that um craft and she's making something while she's talking to them and she pulls out something from her drawer and gives them a needle felted little creature or symbol and that then sets them off on a journey of yeah I guess figuring out what they want and why they 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 find a bit more purpose or direction thanks to her wonderful recommendations and it is just a joy to read it is one of those lovely books I read it in a night all about the love of reading but really perceptive about people and I think some of these people are perhaps not the stereotype of of a Japanese person or they have they have been that stereotype and they want to step away from that and yeah she's lovely so yeah I really really enjoyed that if, to kind of take you out of your everyday life uh, I really enjoyed what you are looking for in the library.
0: What you are looking for is in the library. That sounds really good. I like the sound of that. And it sounds like a nice gift book as well.
1: Gorgeous. Yeah, it's a little hardback, especially to give to someone, I think, who was going through something like that, something a tricky time or just finished a job or leaving a relationship, something like that, that it's kind of like there's always new beginnings and and there's something else out there for you, even if you don't know what
0: Very Mm. good. Now, my next one is a well, I've stolen this. (laughs) It's not a book that I have and I've just been adding it to my TBR. I haven't read it either. So I'm really failing this month. But I took this idea from Sean uh, Mooney at Sean the Book Maniac. I had a chat with him the other day and he mentioned this book that he was raving about. And so I had to immediately write it down called Collected Works by Lydia Sandgren, translated by Agnes Brume, uh from the Swedish, I believe. Mm, Have you I've heard of this heard. one? No. So it's a novel, but the title of the novel is Collected Works, which Sean and I agreed is unusual for a title. But it's about Martin Berg, who's a Swedish publisher, and he's living in the aftermath of tragedy because his wife went missing a decade ago, who was an academic and a writer and left him behind with two children, Raquel and Ellis. And so we have him really trying to get on with his life, but Sean said he's, Uh, according to Sean, he's not been coping with it very well with that incident. So it interweaves his youth and his life up to the time of Cecilia's disappearance. And then the present day, his daughter is preparing a reader's report on a novel. And then the novel seems to be about her missing mother. So that's another twist in the tale. And it's nearly 700 pages. So a bit different to Heaven by Miyako Kawakami. But Sean said there was a moment during the novel, uh, I don't know, I think it's over halfway through, where the title starts to click into place, the huh. the meaning behind the title, and he said it's incredibly affecting. I don't know if that was the word he used, but it really packs a punch. And then this review in The Guardian, which said it's an outstanding debut, says that Sangren has constructed a delicious combination of a detective thriller with an achingly beautiful extended look at the way youth washes over a group of compelling characters in the late 20th century only to leave them stranded in the 21st wondering what happened so there's the early lives and then and they're all exquisitely drawn and then this review says it's like the films of Richard Linklater transmuted to the page so, if you're a fan of Richard Linklater, I can't quite yeah. at the moment put my finger on a, t- a film of Richard Linklater's, but yeah. there I you like go. How
1: a of the crime thriller mixed with the kind of achingly beautiful youth. That yes. sounds
0: good. Yeah. So this review is quite a rave.
1: Ping that up as we speak. I'll put it on the list.
0: A magnificent doorstop of a novel. Is what Barney Norris has said in The Guardian. So that just sounded because Sean, you know, he, we know that he's very discerning and he often bails on books if he's not enjoying them. So because he's raved about it, and now, mm. now we have, uh, I think, a few reviews likewise, I have added it to my list of books I want to read, but it is 650 pages. So after middle March, I won't be ready for that. But <laughs> <laughs> but there we go. It was it's just one I hadn't fun. heard of. So I thought we should mention it. What about you? Do you have any other That's picks, funny. Annie?
1: Uh, well, yeah. So my other one that I've read and loved, and I think you would really like is called My Devotion. I don't know if you've read it cause it's a little bit older. It won.
0: No, it... I don't think I have.
1: Okay. Oh, so it only came out in English in 2018. Um, and it's by Julia Kernanon and translated by Alison Anderson. And it reminded me of Elena Ferrante in its kind of intensity um, right. and also a bit of Rachel Cusk in that way that you're just thrown into a story and you don't get much preamble or description really of the who the narrator is, but through the story you kind of figure out what's going on and, and who these people are. So it's about Helen and Frank and they both grew up as children of consulate members in Rome in the 50s, I guess, maybe the 40s. They grew up together. And they have a very close friendship. They don't really get along with either of their parents. Helen's mother was Dutch and they still have a house in Amsterdam. So when they're about 16 or 17, she convinces her parents and his parents too, to let them move to Amsterdam on their own and set up shop in this house. So they do. And she goes off to university and starts studying. She's really brainy and driven and ambitious. And Frank has just never figured out what he wants to do. But about ten years later, he decides that he'll try painting. He he thinks he's he wants to become a genius. He is he's just not sure what kind of genius he's going to be yet, and so he spends ten years kind of trying out all these different things. And we feel um, you, Frank. Like, yeah, totally. They fin- they live this really bohemian lifestyle. It's wonderful. They have an on again, off again relationship. Then he kind of stumbles on painting and becomes this world renowned painter, and she is the kind of glue that keeps his life together. And the book is told from the perspective they haven't seen each other for a long, long time. And um, they run into each other on the street. And she says, You've done all the talking for our whole relationship. I'm going to tell you our story. And so she starts kind yeah. of telling him her perspective on their lives. And you get this sense of how invisible she's been to him. But she has really, you know, she was the one who suggested they move. She set him up with all these friends who then found his way into painting. She was the one who, you know, promotes his work and does all the housework and does the admin and all of this stuff and is never, ever, ever acknowledged. Throughout the first few, I don't know, maybe first hundred or so pages, you also get two or three references to this murder that happened you know at one point she says something like and then of course i planned a murder in cold blood and you just think oh my god what is going on helen brilliant <laughs> but nothing more is said of that and she just <laughs> keeps talking about their history together and so over the that's what keeps you going that you're kind of like when does this meek and mousy woman who just gets walked all over by frank have time to plan a murder or you know have personality flips and she plans a murder yeah. um and so then the conclusion of the book which kind of comes together really neatly is really shocking. And yeah, I loved it. I think you'd really like it.
0: That sounds very interesting. I think I'll have to look into that one. What my, devotion. my Devotion. My Devotion.
1: By Julia Kernanon and translated by Alison Anderson.
0: Fantastic. Thank you. That's another one to add to my list. I am getting through the shelf, so I, I will be Agreed. treating myself Sometimes. to some books from yeah. time to time. Yes. But the other, among others, one chunky one I still have to go is Nights of Plague by Oren Pamuk, mm-hmm. which is a man in yeah. translation, wow. so that's no good for August. <laughs> yeah. And I've forgotten the name of the translator, but um, it's that's quite a long one. I'm looking forward to it because I really love his work and I like the immersion of it, but it, it means it's that the commu- shelf takes a while to whittle yeah. down.
1: Yeah, indeed. Um, Well, yeah, the the last one on my shelf that I just bought the other day is by Mari Dariasek, who we've um, read some books of hers before. Yes,
0: we read Our Life in the Forest by her, I think.
1: Um, but this is non-fiction from her called Sleepless. She's suffered from insomnia her whole life, which I think when you read her fiction makes a lot of oh, sense.
0: No. Um,
1: and I haven't started it yet, but I'm really, really keen to read it. And this one is translated by Penny Houston.
0: I think that's her translator for Our Life in the Forest.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. If I remember um, right. Yeah, now. it gets. Great blurb. So Fiona Wright says, intellectually fierce but also funny. So yeah, I as someone who sleeps poorly, I am really keen to read her take on insomnia and how it's affected her creative career and and oh her life in goodness.
0: general. yeah, mm-hmm. I would. I think I'd read anything by her because that book was really a standout.
1: It was really wasn't it?
0: Yeah, mm. yeah, really good. Oh, thank you, Annie. Well, I think we've done you well. We we you've done so well with Otto. <laughs> not had a lot well, of time,
1: most of the, well, not most of the time, but when he's like this, I can just you know read and read and read. It's great. Yeah, it won't last good. forever.
0: Well, I'm glad <laughs> so we did. I'm glad we didn't wake him up. No, nothing lasts forever. That's all good. But he's enjoying, I think he's enjoying the reading. That's the main thing. Totally. Yes. So that was our month of women in translation. I think we can agree. Annie has really come out the winner of this one, (laughs) but I'm so excited. I am really keen to read heaven. And what I find good about this is it's so little, I can take it traveling and things like that and just pop it in my bag. But it's it's more about finding the headspace I think sometimes when a book is looks like it will be quite intense and collected works and slime my devotion and the other one Annie mentioned at the end was sleepless which is a non-fiction that sounds and again that didn't look too long so that sounded like a winner very good. Well, that's, that's it from us. We'll be back shortly. I will be doing char Time in the Cinnamon Gardens by Shankari Chandran with Amanda. And Annie, what are we doing next?
1: Lots of new books coming out that I'm excited to talk about. I have read Wifedom now, which I really love. Oh, so if you I'm that yourself, very keen to do that. To to talk to you about that.
0: Yes. So we'll be back. I think we will do an episode on Wifedom by Anna Funder. That is definitely on my list. And in the meantime, you can follow us at Facebook at Books on the Go or email us at Booksonthego Go podcast at gmail.com. I'm on Instagram, Twitter and Litzy. No, I'm not on Twitter anymore because it changed to X and I couldn't keep up. So I've stopped Twitter or X. Um, but I'm on Instagram and Litzy at A Bailey Karras and Annie.
1: I did the same. I got too frustrated with it and deleted it as soon as it changed its name. I was like, this is one step too far. So, yeah, I'm on Instagram at Mr underscore Annie.
0: Fantastic. Well, we will see you next week. Bye for now.